the Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast. Well, George and Valeria Woloshin, thank you very much for coming on the Mahoning Valley Daily Podcast and, uh, you know, just sharing a little bit of time and a little bit of insight into a Russia-Ukrainian relationship that is as old as time. And um, you guys have some good insight that most people around here do not have. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank Pleasure you. Pleasure being here, Ron. Um, yeah. So we've known each other for a real long time. And I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. I know somebody who's, you know, Ukrainian by ancestry and then an actual Ukrainian. Most <laughs> people can't say that. I'm sorry. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, looking back, um, going to a Ukrainian Catholic school, uh, there aren't many places in America that kind of have that either. So mm -hmm. it's just a testament to um, the, the roots of the Ukrainian people in the valley that that was even possible. Um, yep. So um, first, I just wanted to say thank you very much and Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And, Merry Christmas. Um, uh, you know, it's... We're, we're meeting after bedtime for the kids so the, the audience knows this is usually prime interview time and uh i i noticed that most of my folks that i do interviews with they have kids too and they're like yeah no not until 8 30 or later mm -hmm. yeah for sure that's just how it is but yeah. um tell me first like were you doing business in Ukraine or were you living there, George? Or how did, how did that happen in terms of a relocation or you, you going over there? Yeah. So when I, I went over there, um, and, uh, I actually, um, found the job. So, you know, I, uh, I work in a consulting industry and, um, you know, uh, I support accounting and finance groups. So when I went over there jobless, uh, I just started to, I Googled consulting, uh, companies and practices and started setting up interviews with people. Um, and so you went over there jobless, but with a resume that included, uh, by, uh, you know, a very necessary bilingual, um, skill set. Yeah. I, I, th I don't think that was a, um, I think that was attractive to, to some folks. Yeah, it, it was, um, but I, I don't speak uh, fluent Ukrainian. You know, I speak. Um, well, you speak decent I would say Ukrainian. Primitive like, Ukrainian. Yeah, you know, I, I just I just forget over the years, and I don't speak it every day. So, but you know, over there, I you know, you get you get a little more used to it, of course, and, and you start speaking it. And uh, I think more or less people were intrigued to talk to me. So I set up a, a number of interviews, uh, mostly because people were just simply curious what's an American uh, doing here. It was that um, novel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In in uh, I was in the eastern portion of Ukraine called Donetsk, and this is it's where uh, led us from. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's where hometown. From. So, so I thought everybody was really welcoming, and so I set them up. I, I left voicemails, emailed them, and uh, slowly I started set up meetings, and it was it was cool. I mean, it was a, a, an interesting um, you know hour, and they were very hospitable. And each time, not to say that they had opportunities, you know, and they just wanted to talk to me and understand what I wanted. Yeah. I think what you add is actually that uh, it was very, like, um, people were very interested to hear more about Western mindset as right, well. Right. And you have um, a lot of, you can give a lot of examples on uh, when you were working for Adaco, yeah. how they were impressed with the way things are done. Because yeah. they're okay, not they were picking your brain. 
kind of sort of but it was just they were not always used to i think it's uh it's it's uh, there's a, a certain over there and i think it maybe applies to european countries i'm not sure i just i just heard this from my my peer group which were representatives from other countries in in europe like italy turkey greece um i i think it's just the western mindset how to conduct business um and it's it's there's a level of um Building relationships. It was. It's, right? it's especially building relationships. It's, it's proactively pursuing relationships versus you know only only uh, engaging with the organization if they want to buy something. Transactional um, only versus mm -hmm. exactly versus future building relationships. Exactly, and so that that was something new, and and also this this great sense of urgency that Western people have. So it's, <laughs> it's getting up in the morning early, starting early, moving fast, getting things done. Mm -hmm. um, that multitasking. That pace of work, um, I think, was attractive. In addition to my story, you know, what's an American doing out here? So, but that's what I was doing. That's how I landed a gig, actually. And lo and behold, um, I, I still have uh, one one person I interviewed with turned out to be a friend of mine. I used to hang out there, and I still talk to him. So, he was actually uh, worked for one of the big four accounting firms out there, um, and uh, we still keep in touch. So, that, and you also made more than it. just uh, business relationships, shall we say? Sure. Yeah. So we got to know each other over there. Um, we actually got engaged. Uh, and then I, uh, because of the war in 2014, uh, I lost my job. Um, they just, I was an investment for this organization was, was a DECO, one of the largest, uh, uh, staffing companies in the world who's wanted to start a, uh, a certain division that they had and expand upon it in Ukraine. Um, I, I was an investment when I started, that was when the start, start of the war happened. That's when Russia invaded Crimea. And, and this was, invaded. um, Portion. when when was the made on that was uh it was 2013 it's probably started november 2013 that's so right before yeah right before so yeah, yeah so that's when the whole thing called maidan started it started actually obviously in the as a uh, rioting of the students and just young people uh downtown kiev which is the series of protests because you had um basically eschewing joining the european union right so they yeah, said so uh we're not going to do that anymore and we're going to be more uh pro-russia again and people were not happy about that well that's again there's much more to it than just that uh there is there is a lot of theories obviously on what's happened what happened obviously the the current president not current the, uh, the president at that time yanukovych he wanted to go uh he was turned between uh going to russia like into russia's direction kind of uh, keeping that friendship because there's still a lot involved in there like the gas and stuff like that and it's a rich country they were like we were like a brother nation they call it for a very long time so it's like yeah. again it, like that partnership kind of made sense uh not only politically but also financially but a lot of right. people were just tired of that because also russia is known for crazy way of conducting themselves just being yeah. not truthful just again everything around it is just like sometimes so and like they so medieval partially the way yeah. they just operate sure That's and they, they hold on to that as a tradition so it can be a good point and a bad point holding on to those long-standing traditions right i mean exactly but but yeah. yanukovych was also known as like the world's number one most corrupt um leader so right. they kind of wanted him well, out of there, right? I think they all corrupt, you know, it's like, it's, they it's are not the all first corrupt. corrupted yeah. president, it's just, but yeah, he, he was, was caught he was, by hand. He was definitely corrupt. Like, yeah. yeah, stealing about $70 billion in, um, I've never seen his house. Know. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, nice his house. house, we've been there. It's, it's yeah, a museum there, yeah. now. It's yeah. a museum. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it has its own. So I think that people should know that that house has its own zoo, its own um, like gas station, its own. So it's like a little city, and that's just his house. Yeah, yes. so much more than just a house. Yes, mm -hmm. and paid mm -hmm. for by the Both people. And 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 stuff. Paid by the people. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, you know that's the hardest part about separating from you know Russia and, and even even the Soviet Union. So breaking the breaking their sphere of in, influence involves a lot of people to stop taking pay and, and um, payoffs. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do. So people in critical uh, political positions will need to stop taking money. And that's yeah. tough to do when an environment and economy that's not as prosperous as, as one here in the United States. So, you know, prosecutors and other people involved in, in writing the laws, you know, are very influential in, in what happens there. And if they're on the take, you know, it's what, tough what for them to do things for the greater good. It's tough for them to yeah, rise above their own you, personal, um, you know, yeah, which, which is difficult. But the, I mean, you get, you're looking at salaries for the president was like $98,000 for the president of the country and prosecutors, you know, they're probably 50, 50,000 a year or 45. And you're there's a lot more money out there for them to get if they, if they play ball. It's just like to, to, you, there needs to everybody. It's just hard to do it. Just it's just going to take time. You got to. What's the uh, the greater good is for the people. And slowly, it's about year after year, generation after generation. And I think it'll happen. I think uh, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about it. New generations want to change, and at no cost, they they are going to want to improve the country. So right now, you just have people in critical positions that still are on a take. And again, that that's hard to do. It, it'll take generations to to just really. A break away from that and that's where the sphere of influence really is strong because you've got russia people tied into you know russia politics and people in charge of gas and other things like that russia's just um dangling the carrot in front of you and, and offering you money and takes and so it's hard to change it just it just is but it, you know i think we're optimistic and it'll take generations but it will i i think i heard somewhere that it's like um not just sister you know brother and sister nations there but also belarus is you know closely tied in with the other two and um that it was it took the amount of discord that putin has been able to sow to actually have people not feel as though they are all one nation if you will like pitting country against country and 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 fomenting all this unrest has actually maybe hopefully solidified a bit more of an independent spirit in ukraine yeah, I think the Belarus happened. I think they might have been inspired from Ukrainians because um, obviously it happened after the fact, and sure. and they, they they have their own set of problems for sure. It, it's oh yeah, it's very similar. You know? So as you know, the um, Putin was president of Russia for twenty something years now, twenty two. I want to say it's his twenty second year. I mean, he had a, a it took break a break. When, yeah, well, it wasn't a real break because right. he put his person and he became a prime minister for right. four years. And then went back to presidency. So it was just like, again, very, very obvious where other people move. So the same Lukashenko is president of Belarus. He was president for... Ever since the breakup, right, of the yes, Soviet so Union. longer than that. I think since 1991 then. And uh, people are tired. People are tired of his ways. And he was just like, he was not given like... People chose another candidate. And he was just trying to... Um, as again, as very common back there, the like he was just trying to mix up the boats, making making himself a winner, which is not no subverting just, yeah. elections is like 
the worst thing you can do to a democracy. That's why oh. I feel like I, I sit here and talk about how, how do you have a democracy without a proper vote, without understanding the will of the people and making it heard? That's why I, I talk on my show about January 6th is a trial run for what could happen in the future. They tried to overturn a democratically held election, apparently one that was the safest in American history. And we still had people, we have people today that want to believe in a lie. So you have people that want to believe the lie for because they want their side to win. So it's like they would rather throw away democracy just as long as their side wins. And, and you'll have that as well. It's it's awful. There's no democracy like back there. It's like there's I don't think there's any. And, and you know, there's cold democratic. But their philosophy is you yeah. know you're looking at you're trying to uh, apply uh, American values, Western values to to say Russia, and uh, it, it doesn't. It has a different application. You know, you you have a lot of history. Uh, you 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 just can't wipe that away. And and you know they call it their democracy. We'll, we'll have people vote, but we'll have the ultimate say. That's just just how they. Yeah, they're gonna take your consideration. Exactly. (laughs) Consideration. Well, you know they use it as a media. So if they if they feel like they get ninety eight percent of the votes, you know they'll they'll use that, and that's what they're after. They're just they're just they want to control the media. They want to control the the general public because that's that's really concern of Putin's. Propaganda is number one. Yes, exactly. He needs to control that. So he might say something ridiculous and maybe something that isn't true to the media but it's it's he less cares less about maybe the the truth of his word and how the international uh audience reacts to it versus his own people so if he says it with his own people he owns the news over there so they'll run with it and they'll broadcast it and it becomes news Mm -hmm. and it becomes truth if you will or at least in the permanent record as having been truthful maybe and that's all that matters because no one else gets to write the book right um so so you're saying old versus young like is there a divide in terms of um in terms of how you know warm feelings towards possibly reunifying uh old people versus young people 100 percent. there's a lot of people like even my mom sometimes would hear that she doesn't feel like even uh i mean she's glad that ussr broke up but at the same time she she would talk about her life in the USSR is like it was wonderful she would say it's like it was wonderful because we had this we had that it was because after so um for people to understand after USSR broke up there was no stability whatsoever so mm-hmm. since 1991 it was just a very hard time for the country when the rotation of um of power rotation of poli- like politicians rotation of everything just People did not have stability, and in last twenty, um, almost thirty years, there was so much. There was crisis after crisis, revolution after revolution. So it was the most probably unstable years of the country, which is understandable because it's like the country establishing their independence and just yeah, yeah. But at the same time, for people, it's stressful because mm-hmm. it's like the country. Oh, yeah. like, becoming poorer and poorer and poorer people. And the devil that you know is sometimes better the devil that you don't. And let's say even under, you know, communism, perhaps they under-delivered on what they, you know, promised and what the, the overall ethos of it was, but at least it was something and it wasn't um, the crapshoot that capitalism could be and ended up being in a lot of places. Well, it, it just, it takes time, you know, that that philosophy democracy takes time 
And there was a period of time where you had a lot of the Arab Spring happening, right, a uh, number of years ago. It, it's, um, it's, I guess, with the U, there was a period of time where a, a certain administration believed in spreading democracy. And, and I, I believe that too. Uh, but I, I think there should be a asterisk there where, you know, sometimes people aren't ready for it. And so you just can't say, you know, today we're going to start a democratic society or today we're going to start that. It, it's, it takes a long time of conditioning. It just can't happen overnight. It, I guess it can on paper, but it, it's, it's more difficult than that. You know, you have a lot of people that are, um, uh, don't quite understand what that even means. So, um, and, but the buy-in is, is, is the first step, right? You have to have as many people on board with the idea of the project, but then, you know, just like in America, there was a lot of, you know, going through the annals of history to find out what types of rules and, you know, constructs were going to be necessary to make this work in the long run. And that was, you know, specifically tailored to where right. we were at over here. Right. And obviously, yeah. like you said, it doesn't easily right. export everywhere, right. but you have That's to what? have those bulwarks in place if you want it to continue. Yeah. I mean, the forefathers were super smart and you read, you read anything early on and it was, it's incredibly smart and, and how they applied it. It was, it was, it was just uh, unique. The forethought unique. is very scary. Uh, very wise individuals, very good, astute students of history and understanding the, the pitfalls of mankind in general. And, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but just one note on that. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you need two things is uh, you need people to trust the government, which won't happen overnight. And people are surviving. People are always in survival mode. And that's tough to get over. You've got to get over those two big humps. And then you start, people start to relax a little bit and believe in the system and, and work towards, you know, the making their, their government, their country better. But you've got to, it's a slow process, but you got to, you got to trust your government. I'm not saying you, you, everybody trusts your government every day and people don't do that here, just more than what they did before. So they don't feel like they could take advantage of because everybody's still in survival mode. Nobody trusts anything. We don't, they don't have the pillars of society like we do here. They don't have a banking system that, you know, if the bank closes you down, trust. you could trust and you, you, your money's always safe over there. You, the bank closes, you lose your money. Yeah. Healthcare over there, you know, the education system for healthcare is different than it is here. You know, there are yeah. certain standards and different things they do to make sure that they have physicians that are really good at what they do. Uh, you know, over there, you could maybe pay your way through school and you still get a certificate and you're a physician. And then the healthcare mm -hmm. system could take advantage of people. And you've got healthcare hospitals that, you know, you got to pay a nurse for extra care. You got to pay a doctor for a little extra hair care mm -hmm. because they just don't make a lot of money. So the, that's, it, the healthcare it. system is here. Is a, it's almost a, it's a pillar of society, banking system. You just don't have that there. And so you have mistrust and you have survival. So people are always going to need to survive. And so yeah. that's just, that's, that's a different society. People aren't used to that in, in the United States. But you, you also that see that, what did I see? It was like, um, in terms of um, Ukraine's military, right? They had like rock bottom amount of people just a couple years ago. And now it's like soared because yeah. a lot of people understand, I guess, the severity of the situation, but also they understand or they, they really do feel for the cause of uh, sovereignty. Well, that's that's there's a couple of things there. Yeah. Yes. To those. But, you know, uh, Yanukovych did not believe in investing into the military at that time because yeah. he had partnership in stealing, he did stealing not money. There's no investing. The there's no military. Nothing. Why? Why military? Who, who's threatening us? We have Russia mm -hmm. right here. You know, yeah. we've got a relationship with that. Like, why, why would they do that? But then suddenly there was no there was basically no army. So now it's 
how many years now of investment in partnering with other countries for training and and you know us donates a lot of you know machinery and, and different yeah. defense you know um machinery. i would say i heard a story about ukrainian soldiers going to like france and germany and buying secondhand uniforms and and things like that and sending it back home just because it was at that point but it's like all right if you're willing to do that yeah i mean there's there's a lot of grassroots i mean early on uh we know some people very close to us they were just that there was certain certain segments of the military that were not receiving certain aid um clothing you know and i think it's it's gotten better now but in 2014 there were people the grassroots groups that were connected to people that in the military and they say hey we, we don't have any food or we're just eating once a day uh, our uniforms look like this. We're running out of ammunition. You know, how are we going to fight a war with this? And, a lot, or, and the definitely lack of training. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the military uh, in the last seven, eight years has really come a long way. But they, that, you know, that there's... there's is it they because of Crimea that, like, was a big wake-up call? Well, it's a wake-up call, yeah. I mean, basically, Russia now is is kind of the enemy they're they're risking they're going to invade us and we've got to prepare ourselves for that and they want to establish themselves as their own country um and so you got you need a military you know you, you need to have a, a strong military to defend yourself or else people are going to walk right in and take your country yeah so but but what what about crimea what do the people there think because they're obviously a, a more loyalist area of ukraine is it a hundred percent over there in terms of you know being okay with what's going on how does that work yeah, Leto's got friends there, good friends so over there. it's actually, again, it originally was Tatarist territory. Then, obviously, like in Soviet Union, it was part of Russia, but then it was gifted to Ukraine because also, again, the peninsula is attached to Ukraine. So it was, it, it made, just made sense to be part of Ukraine because it was easier with communications, with electricity, water, and stuff like that than for Russia to do it from from through, through the water, through the sea, through the Black Sea. And people don't understand first that it was uh, they had their own; they were governing themselves. So they 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 were part of Ukraine, but it wasn't like it, it uh, was autonomous, like autonomous yeah. area. So they had their own freedom. They have their original. They have like their. Um, mm -hmm. What do they call it? Like the original people are called uh, Tatars. The Tatars, Tatars, but, but yeah. like Indians, the Aborigine, they're all, I forget the, the name of that. But anyway, so they, they have their own community, you know, they, they, they want to be themselves. So they have partnership with, with, the, with the state. So they have a certain autonomy. But um, so they're, they're a lot of people e know ethnically that. diverse enough yes, from exactly. the uh, mm -hmm. general the Ukrainian person yep, that they would Tatars say are, we're a separate people. Yep, Tatars are Muslim also, and you know the rest of the country is mostly yeah, East, Eastern Tatars. Orthodox. Yeah, yeah. Christian. Yeah. So again, and then when this whole thing happened, it was just for Russia to to regain the port because they like for just military uh, purposes. Because if if Ukraine goes in western direction and if Ukraine like will have will join European Union and the NATO will be protecting um, Ukrainian territory, then for Russia that is immediately a threat. Yeah. So, so in 2024, the, there was a lease. 2023, uh, don't quote me on the years, but the lease was running up for one of the, uh, Russia's largest naval bases, which was on Crimea. So Russia was leasing that naval base from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Well, when they felt like they lost Yanukovych, he flew away, and they were at risk of losing that influence to have that base there because as soon as you get somebody Western-minded or anti-Russia, they're not going to renew that lease. Yeah. <laughs> the lease is up. They're gone. 
and immediately that's that you don't you don't hear about I don't know why they don't talk about that like that's not even like it's something that I think is very important that once he felt that way yeah. it happened almost overnight it happened overnight he took it military bases are extremely important you look at our interests in obviously Afghanistan and Turkey I mean those are then yeah you know, I mean it's basically far- a landlocked country so that's his that's his uh you know a waterway to the Mediterranean so in terms of the future, like, what do you think, do you think, um, cause, cause this is just ridiculously terrible to like try and play out like, oh, okay. If, if he's thinking that there's some kind of inevitable, inevitable action on his end, um, in terms of trying to invade Ukraine, because he knows that the U S is, um, you know, wounded right now in terms of deploying troops, especially unilaterally. And we, we haven't really had any tests in terms of the Balkans or anything like that, where we've had to defend the most recent uh, European Union members or NATO members. Um, it's, it, you don't see the American sentiment being there for all this escalation of troop deployment. Is, do, do you think the people in Ukraine know that as well? And it's like, they're not counting on outside forces to save them or like, I think so. I, I think they do. I, I don't know though. I, that's something I don't know. I don't know. I mean, by now, and in, in, I think a long time ago, they might've thought that. Um, but now that's, it's, it's pretty clearly stated over the years that America, you know, rightfully so, you know, uh, can you tolerate the loss of human lives, loss of American lives for the, for the Ukrainian Russian war mm-hmm. and to just, there certainly is justification for that, but the tolerance for that, for the American public is, is pretty low. So that's why they keep threatening with financial, um, yeah. you know, threats. And, and, you know, I think the largest, which I heard years ago is just eliminate the, them from the global banking system. And Correct. That's, to hurt that's, that's, that's going to really kill. Otherwise them. they're, they've become more and more autonomous, you know, Russia has gamed this out to where they're hopefully not going to need, you know, the rest of the world for darn near anything except to be part of the banking system, which is very lucrative and extremely necessary in terms of trade. But then you also, like you were saying, you know, they have a really big, um, they have stakes and, and ties with people like Germany with natural gas. So it's going to, they, they have strings to pull on the other end as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's so complicated because also you have an old school mindset of the reason you would keep um, someone like Russia from encroaching and keeping, you know, pressing buttons is because the domino effect of communism, it's going to be one after another and yada yada, democracy versus communism. Well, it doesn't quite work that way anymore. It's not like Russia is going to be like, oh, Poland is next. That's not, it's not how it would go this time. So the impetus for defense is not quite the same as well. Yeah, I, I I don't know what I don't know what's going to hurt them. I think that's always the question mark. So um, you know, looking in the future, I I just really don't know. You know, we just suspect what what could happen. I think, uh, you know, one thing that uh, I did learn is you know there's tremendous investment in Russia. Uh, there's uh, a tremendous U.S. investment, global investment for many countries. Russia Russia is such a large country, so. You've got, for example, Coca-Cola with tremendous investment in there. Mm-hmm. You know, you got all these manufacturers with tremendous investment. Um, and he, they have such a large natural resource uh, uh, 
there's so many natural resources in Russia. So anybody deals with drilling or anything else, they've got yeah. some stake in Russia. So it, it, it has a giant effect if there's, um, you know, any kind of really financially, that's why hurting them financially is, is really quite complicated because if you're going to hurt yourself, possibly you're going to hurt yourself. For and it's the same thing with China, except, you know, their best, um, product is the amount of people that they have and just access to their markets. So you see all these corporations that are really hesitant to say a bad word about them because they don't want to lose that access. And uh, it's the same way maybe in a more natural resources type state with, with someone like Russia. So it's, yeah. it's all interconnected, but you have to wonder where do people start to draw the line? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. terrible. I, 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 what, I don't want loss of life. You don't want conflict. And there's, there's ongoing conflict and loss of life going on there all the time right now. It's, it's awful to think about. Yeah. <laughs> but these are people who are fighting for what they believe is the right cause. And I think a lot of the rest of the Western world believes it's the right cause as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's tough. I mean, it hits home for us. Her mom is from that territory uh, where, where uh, Letta grew up. Her mom's staying with us now. And you know, how do you, how do you send somebody back to uh, the, a war-torn area that has 190,000, you know, Russian troops right on a border, right outside? So yeah. it, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty scary for a lot, you know, of people out there. And it's just that the country can't settle down. The country can't move forward without this being resolved. So it's frustrating, you know, really. Man, all right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to end it there in terms of that discussion, because I just want to say you guys, I hope you guys have a really happy Christmas time. Um, I, I'm hoping for snow for at least one of these days uh, in the next yeah. like week or so to make it look as festive as it Yeah, feels. it doesn't seem like it, huh? I don't, I don't no, like I have the golf clubs in the trunk of my car just in case. Oh. You know, but yeah, um, I'll play in the snow too. So that doesn't really mean anything, <laughs> but um, I really want to thank you guys for the insight and for, you know, talking about what is obviously a difficult subject. And um, that's what I needed was to really understand a little bit more. And I hope uh, anyone that listens to this got a little bit wiser about the whole thing as well. Yeah. Well, it's fun. You, yeah. Ron. Yeah. It was, yeah. Anytime. It was interesting to talk to someone who is interested and who knows a lot. About yeah. That, so. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, thank you guys again. You guys be well. Okay. Thank Take you. care, everyone.